You're listening to The Comedy Cellar, live from the table, on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Comedy Cellar Show here on Sirius XM Channel 99. My name is Noam Dwarman. I'm the owner of the Comedy Cellar and host of this podcast. Dan Natterman, the great Dan Natterman, is not here tonight. Uh, we have, of course, Periel Ashenbrand. Ashenbrand? Is that y- correct? Yes. I can never pronounce it correctly. Ashenbrand. Periel Ashenbrand. And, and um, we have guests. Uh, he's been, it's like your third or fourth time on the show, right? Second time. No. Yeah. And we just argue at the table? We just argue at the okay, table. Jibran- it feels like a podcast every time I'm here, though. Jibran Salim is a New York City-based comedian, has been featured on <laughs> FX, MTV, and Stand Up Stand Up NBC. What's Stand Up NBC? Oh, uh, that I was I was like a finalist for uh, their... They have like a competition every, every year for new talent. Is that like that uh, uh, Will Smith? I mean, uh, Will, Will Sylvain? Sylvain- Will, no, Will Sylvain's... Uh, the- yeah, short, he, he does a short film the, test. The, I, that, this was a stand-up version. I love that how I did. you look at me though immediately as though I wrote something incorrectly. Okay. John Lasser was a winner and, of it before too, actually. John Lasser? Yeah. Right. And the guest of honor, Lauren Duca. Can I pronounce the name Duca right? Duca is right. Yeah, you know this. I was gonna <laughs> say though, I don't know. Any time two men are talking, that actually is a podcast. So those all count. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Awesome. <laughs> Lauren Duca is a freelance journalist and author of. How to Start a Revolution, Young People and the Future of American Politics. That's right. Welcome. Thank you. So, let's get right to it. Uh, and actually, Dan, who's our, Dan, who's our, our co-host, who um, actually was the, uh, is a big fan of yours, and he, but he couldn't be here. So, but he actually sent along some questions. Oh, okay. oh. And He the- always complains about the guests and about me... And then he was really excited that you were coming, and then he couldn't be here. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> so I now, miss him. Now, this is quite an insightful question. He says, Lauren, you have a new book called How to Start a Revolution. What sort of revolution do you have in mind? <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> and that's actually a good question. Yeah, a, a revolution of citizenship, of what we think of, of democratic agency. So basically what I'm focusing on in this book is a political awakening from passively navigating a broken system to actively seeking to change it and the way it's occurring especially in youth-led movements and insurgencies and you know we've been alienated as a public not just young people from feeling as if we have the self-determination to make serious change to have a serious impact in the political conversation and there's this shift from that state of alienation to one of awakening and I'm trying to build it into a sustainable culture of resistance in which we are all regularly taking democratic action and building equitable public power from the accumulation of individual action into collective impact. You sound like Gibran. Yes, for sure. I'm so I'm so politically motivated. I'm, I'm just very edgy. Uh, I'm not. I'm very laid back. I had questions from that though. Uh-huh. H- how do you define resistance? 
Uh, what so, constitutes resistance? Is it like a, a tweet or is it like well, that's a mask? A, it's <laughs> strange to, that you went right for such a diminishing framing, and I'm frustrated by that. That's I mean, how I think, men are. Yeah. yeah. No, that's. I think that's really <laughs> insulting, idiot. patronizing, and quite rude. You know, people I, can raise their voice on social media for sure, but so what raising your voice actually means is making your political opinions manifest. And so there's a lot of different actions you can choose to do that. You can contact elected officials. You can use your money to make donations. You can dedicate your body to a protest. Uh, I think it's possible to organize on social media, and I hate that people diminish it because it needs to be part of the way that we organize and the way that we share stories that are able to get past the gatekeeper. I wouldn't say I was diminishing it. I was just pointing out You were really insulted by him, were you? Yeah, I really don't really? like the way people talk, talk about, oh, resistance, Twitter. I think it's really he, annoying. He, he, he did but, it, but it seemed like you have a preconceived notion about I Twitter do. itself, because no, yeah, so I don't really think I was actually yeah, yeah, saying so that in the Yeah, yeah, so I think that majority. it's in the conversation, and I, I guess I just want to say, you know, there's a democratizing force that's really possible in social media, and a lot it's a lot of the way that young people especially are sharing stories. So I have, I have a, a big... Um, interest in advocating for using social media because that's where young people live and that's where they're communicating with each other and I think it can be can, a really can, effective tool for change. Can I call you Lauren? Can I call you Lauren? Or Mary or like Jackie? What were you thinking? Uh, well, Miss I, Duca. Love the, I love some other... We could try some other names. Right. So Mary. No. Ah, the, great. <laughs> no, but this... Now, I'm, I'm a little taken aback here and maybe this is going to be awesome because this... You've kind of... Um, given an extreme example of like what about today's culture really disturbs me, which is that he, now he's a pretty woke. Can I just say something? <laughs> yeah. I don't love the way this is going and I'm not going to be doing it in this, in this combative mode. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a okay, well just hit, let me productive hear. conversation about social media and move the ball along. Okay. So let me just say, move I, the ball along or I'm leaving. Okay. So, so let me just say that, when he said, what did you mean by resistance? A tweet well, that's let, diminishing. Hold, no, one second. He actually said that because he didn't know what you meant by resistance. And I then and so, and made to be a insult- comment about the cultural state right, of so social be, media no, and how it can fine, be used for resistance. that's fine, but to be insulted by it. I wasn't insulted. It, you, well, you said, you were, you said you were insulted I'm and diminished. I'm insulted by that idea. I think it's yeah. diminishing, and then and, I clarify and, why. But, and that's combative. He wasn't being combative. Yeah, I didn't think I was being combative, and I was genuinely <laughs> curious. That wasn't like an attack. Not in, on, on the mic, on the mic, on the mic. No, I mean, I, tell me what Can't have dead upset. air. Tell me what you're upset about. I don't understand why this okay, is Okay, so let's start. Okay, no, so, no, no, this is, no, because this go, we, isn't. We can, we can get off this if this is. No, but this isn't how, like, this happens and, like, there, I really want to know what is upsetting so we can. I really want to know what is upsetting to you. I'll tell you. I, I, I'll tell you if, if you won't get mad at me if you don't agree with me. I'm not, uh, because I'm no, you're already like talking about walking out. I'm, I'm, about uh, to be, I'm being very honest. I'm reluctant to say what I'm thinking because I don't want you to go and walk out. And I don't quite yeah. know what might get you to do that. So I'm nervous. I, I have no... I want to have I, a good conversation. I also did not mean to offend you. I wasn't I trying was, to come from a charged again? point of view. What? Can yeah, we, 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 we can't restart. We'll, do, we'll go from here. But so... so so no, I would like to start the, the, again. I'm not, I'm not, I won't think we no, need I'm to No, I'm not going to restart it. I, I, okay. I'm available to start from the top. All right. But what I, so let's, I will ask you a different question. No, I would if like you, to if, start from the top. No, I'm not going to restart it from the top. Okay. 
I, I don't think that's not, customary. I would like to start nobody, from the nobody, top. Nobody, I would restart from the top if somebody... I think we got off on a bad foot. I think you can agree. I'd like to start from the top and start fresh. You, you're, you're not pronouncing people's names correctly. You're asking questions about what's resistance to tweet. It's diminishing to me and my work. I'm a serious journalist. I'm not having a conversation like this. If you'd like to start again, I would like to start again and have a productive conversation with you. I, I don't want, I I'm not going to start again. Okay. Then we're going to have to call it. Okay. That's up to you. Can I just say that I really don't want you to be upset. I don't Why think... Why can we just start from the Well, I don't think that Jabron would ever be rude to anybody, yeah, again, let I alone was, a guest on the show. That wasn't trying and to I mean insult you. I wrote a book about a youth political movement. What do I mean by resistance? A tweet? I think how it's, not I think wait, it's a wait, fair question I, to ask how you define a, a word you're using. But I think it's also, and I'll take the heat for this if this... Like we always have, and she a never takes the heat. And no, we always have a comic on, and like it's part of just because we're it's the comedy seller to sort of like lighten. It was not, okay. and also we. I would wait, just like, love to start from the top. But Why can't we not just start from the top now? Well, I before we address that, I also think that when Noam asked you, "Can I call you Lauren?" Like he was really trying to, like, make sure that that was how you were comfortable hey, being addressed. I, I mean, I don't know. We have all kinds of people on this show all the time. I have no idea. But, like, nobody is trying to be disrespectful. Like, I, 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 I'll, I'll ask my next question, and you can answer it, or you can leave. You can do whatever I, you want. I, I my don't next... want that to be the, the way this conversation is put out into the world. I would really That's, like to that, start again. I'm sorry, but... You, this is a show, and it's it's live to tape, and that's what you did. Okay. Nobody forced you to do it. Okay. I, I, I would say that if you had a magic wand, I would like to know, how, what would you do? Like, what laws would you pass? What would you change in society? Because I think where he have was struggling... Have you even read my book? No, I have not read your well, book. Well, I don't really want to do an interview with someone who has no idea what my work is about. But even if I had read the book, I would still have to ask you the question because the, cause the people listening... We do listening, know what your work is about. The, she's read the book because the people listening haven't read it, so it's still a valid question. I mean, we would never have invite... We don't invite people on here to be disrespectful or rude or... I've, I've, read, like, I've read accounts of your book. I've, I've, I mean, I've, I have some idea what's in the book. I haven't read the book. Well, I don't no. really understand why you're interviewing my book if you haven't read my book. Okay, we, we, I, guess, I guess it's not... I'm sorry it's not going to work out because I find it fascinating and and you know the stuff that you're talking about is the stuff that I'm interested in I think and that I, if and, there is a I happy to you misunderstood me there is a thread in the culture by which social media as a whole is dismissed and that was what I was trying to explain and then you tried to make it seem as if I was having some kind of cat fight and that's what really got most frustrating for me you not anything that he said you acted as if I was having some ridiculous reaction. I'm telling you, I've seen young people frequently written off. And the, the reality is we need to take action and empower young people to feel that they have a right to be registered and voting, that and they have a right to that? be contacting elected officials and making donations, and that social media is a place that we can have the conversations that start that behavior. So how do we do that? There's a lot of ways. How should I start? Well, my book is about watching the examples of young people that we see in action. For example, I interview Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, David and Lauren Hogg, and other young people who had this awakening moment on November 9th where they felt a sense of urgency. They felt that there were the issues they had cared about before, and what changed with Trump's election is they understood that the whole system is total bullshit and that we can't just be accepting it for what it is. So we should do what? Can you let me finish talking? Yeah, sorry. Jesus fucking Christ, dude. You're bad at this. 
So what I was saying is I take those examples and also look at a generational shift by which we are looking at people moving from passively moving through the system to actively seeking to change it at generational scale. And I looked at this longitudinal ethnographic study called the Millennial Impact Report, where that behavioral change, that shift from alienation into the agency and self-determination of of constantly taking daily actions of political participation is already underway. And the what I look at in my book is this, the factors that have gone into creating the sense of alienation in the first place. So at scale, in terms of the entire polity, there are major issues that go behind jail or alienation, and they're just the reality that make our voices insignificant. Gerrymandering, the geographical biases of our election system, voter suppression, moneyed interests, those are the major things. And then the way that that's compounded by youth is by an idea of young people as naive, as not yet ready to participate in the conversation and the sense that we have to wait for permission or um, earn our chance to to have the right. And you can look at just the ages. Okay, so can we stop at one thing? Well, so let's talk about gerrymandering. What's the impact? Sorry, so you, you asked me how we're going to do it, and I have to basically explain my whole book to answer com- a so big abstract question like that. what's the impact like of gerrymandering? No, wait, but you don't have to explain the whole book. Wait, so I, I want to get... I wanna finish the the thread I was on, which is that what we are now seeing is this shift happening where we're challenging the idea that we are second-class citizens in the political system. And what it looks like is having more and more uh, outreach to young people from elected officials whose responsibility it is to include more people in the conversation, more organizations that are directly reaching out and communicating to young people and led by young people and changing the terms of the conversation so that it doesn't look like the old stuffy version of the way things are and it's, it looks like the way we're having conversations on social media and that we're talking about politics the way that we're talking about each other basically what I'm looking to do and what's all, what I think is already occurring and I'm hoping to uh, allow it to continue into action is this culture of constant democratic action and you do seem to look pretty bored by that I'm not bored I'm just I'm, 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 I'm not bored you know what, dude? I'm nervous about you're about- nervous you should be nervous because you're, you're really behaving like a c- complete asshole well, I mean, that seems a little bit much. I don't understand I mean, that's what's not, happening. I mean, that's okay, not. He's bored. He asked me I'm about my book. Bored. I tell him he's not even listening. I, I, what is that's, happening that's here? Honest, hold on. I'll tell you very honestly, for better or for worse, I'm, I'm wondering what the specifics that you're advocating are. You, you I, t- if you read the book, you I, might know. Wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait oh, no, wait. no. I might be an idiot, and I just, you know, not smart enough to pick it up from what you said, but I'm, I'm having trouble gleaning this. The specifics. So I talk about gerrymandering. I'm wondering, uh, what do you see as the impact of gerrymandering since it's one of the things you want to end? So ger- gerrymandering totally warps the system by which our voices would have equal footing. And a true democracy is that in which each individual person has the same political impact by the right of their vote. I, so, but my book is actually not so about, me, my book is about. So I, so I understand that, but I'm thinking like today, since the Democrats control the House, and the Senate is not gerrymandered, and this, and the presidency is not gerrymandered. Is that issue really a, a hot issue right That's now? That's a great question. Gerrymandering is always a major issue that totally warps the shape of our politics. But so basically what I'm talking about is the way that people can understand their involvement at all levels of government. And we get so sucked into what's happening with the big game in the general election or even in Congress. And I part of what I'm encouraging is for people to take impact at the local level. How? And have... 
by looking at attending town halls, go looking at their school board, running for office for down ballot elections in their community, registering people to vote in their community, contacting the people on their city councils, writing op-eds for their local papers. The list really does go on and on. And, and what would the specific op-eds, what would they call for? What, Every, would the, what should the school constant, board, What um, would you want the school boards to do? How do you want them to change? It, that's up to you. That's up to uh, you. So okay. each person needs to pick the issue that... So hey, how about this? You're, what's something that pisses you off in your local area? What's something in your, in your neighborhood that you think could be improved? Uh, the trash collection. The trash collection. So you, so what would you do to make an improvement on that issue? Maybe you go to you find out who, what's your, who's your city council representative, and say, hey, the trash is really piling up in my neighborhood. What, what I'm advocating for is, is public equality of voice. So so I'm saying we are at this place where people feel like they don't have any right to politics and that's not that's true especially of young people but it's true of all of us. We're like, "Hey, this is how this is going to go in down in Washington. Mitch McConnell's legislative graveyard is the state of the Senate. We can't expect expect solutions for the climate crisis, gun reform, healthcare, all of these issues riddling American life. What I'm you're, you're what I'm advocating for is everyone being actively fighting for freedom um, and using their political voices constantly as a daily habit. So so like voting isn't crucial. We all need to be registered and voting. But that's basically just the most bare minimum element of civic engagement. And everyone I think needs to, what I advocate in the end of my book is this call to action for your particular version of constant political participation. What's, what's your, what are the issues that, that bother you that you want to see uh, changed? Well, I think we need serious climate crisis solutions, serious gun reform measured, affordable health care, addressing for income inequality, major reparations for racism, um, reproductive rights with real safe legal access to care at the national level is probably my uh, my package of ideal concerns. I think we need to reform immigration as well as a, as a what would you do for hot immigration? ticket. I'm, I think that we need to provide safe access to the dream that this country has promised. I think we need a Marshall Plan to prevent um, the refugee crisis that has allowed for the humanitarian disaster at the border. And I think that Would we... Would you open the border? I, I, I don't have an answer on that one. <laughs> I don't know how to deal with the border because I'm not a presidential candidate. Um, but I think that what we need is humane addressing of um, global citizenship. And the reality that a lot of the wealth and power of the American nation has been taken illegally and by force and by a, a, a system that has caused a lot of the need for safety and for opportunity that has caused people to come here. And I think we need to create pathways and celebrate immigration because it is the soul of the country. You look like an immigrant. Uh, well, <laughs> yes, my all, my all my family immigrated here. I was born in Mine's North Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> Good. I, I don't want to. Uh, no, I I don't. I was just listening to what to what you were saying. Um, I'm a little apprehensive to ask anything. Uh, in well, fear I'm very of being scary. We've covered it. Attacked. If, yeah. it, if anyone can see, I'm actually breathing fire straight straight into the microphone. So yeah, and there's I'm, actual smoke. There are bullets that come out of my tits, but you can't see it. It's a shame. Go ahead. You can ask a question. You can I, ask I, anything I honestly you don't want. have any specific questions at the moment. I, 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 I just don't have a, have a question. specific question. Do you believe in Martin Luther King's um, goal of a society that is colorblind that judges people just on the content of their character? Or, uh, or do you believe that we should always um, racially count people in, in every aspect of society? Well, or, or something in between? I think that I, think that I would... Uh, my goal is uh, equitable public power. My goal is equity. I think that... 
right now the reality is we live in a white supremacist capitalist patriarchy and there are there I have had so is that why, for instance, why would, we, why would we limit Asians at at schools if we're worried about white supremacy patriarchy? Sorry, what? Why would we be limiting the number of Asians and you know finding strategies? I'm not. I, I don't know what you mean. We. Uh, uh, Wait. Our, so you asked me first country. about do you want to have a, a, a like a race blind society? Like I think that's the goal, but we need to stop pretending that we're there right now because Is that the goal? I have had so many privileges. We have so many privileges as a result of our whiteness and the amount of space we're able to take up, the amount of opportunities that are created, um, and just the footing that people of color have started on in this country in the way that land has been taken from them and their rights and their bodies have been abused by the history of the government. I think that that requires um, serious economic attention and that we can't um, push our differences out of the way as if in the 2004 Oscar winner crash because it's totally absurd. And um, so, you know, I don't really have a, I don't have an intricate take on, uh, the what the the Harvard case, which is what I assume you're referring Not to. Not Harvard case. It's in New York City. New York City is struggling with it now too. They're trying various ways of, of getting around this by eliminating the entrance exams, by uh, um, with some other proposal out there. I don't remember what it was. Various ways of um, combating the fact that the Asian Americans are doing so well uh, in so many ways. And um, you know, it's one of the things we talk a lot about on this show because it, it bothers me. Because they're not privileged, and they're not, um, I, and and I I feel like <clears throat> it's the enemy of immigration reform. You can, you can't really expect to be bringing people over here and then tell them once they get here. But by the way, you know your your SAT point is worth 0.75 of what a, a white guy's SAT point mm-hmm. is. Well, that's a, that's like that's I'm I'm being very specific because I'm wondering, like I I'll be honest, like I see your. Um, political uh, uh, where you're coming from like your, well, I don't know what you call it, like your, your point of view to be very um, caught up and I'm assuming you tell me if I'm wrong in this kind of intersectional idea that what matters very very much about everybody is either their race or their nationality or their sexual preference. I or think what matters very much about everybody is that we all have equal political footing and so I don't know the intricacies of affirmative action in New York I've been. It's not affirmative action. I don't. I don't know what. I don't know what you're talking about, basically. But uh, with what the, your weird problem with Asians that you're going into, what I what I'm interested yeah, in see, is I'm, giving I'm everybody I'm to bring anything up equal because, political because you're so, footing. You're so just, I mean, I'm not a stupid person, and I I don't think I've said one insulting thing to you, and you seem to have such. I know that you've criticized the way people speak to each other on social media. It just doesn't seem as if you've you, you, actually I, I, engaged, I, I, read my I, book. I, I've told you I have not read your book. Yeah, and that I, I don't mean understand I, I don't, why you're I, talking I, to me about letting I, I speak whether to people or not day who don't high school admissions exams okay. in New York that I, you're standing. I listened to a few of your uh, interviews, and I read some accounts of your book. Like, for instance, like, I mean, like just off the top of my head, I remember one of the things that you complained about was that... Um, that are kind of like gatekeepers misled us about Trump's chance of winning election. Yeah. And I know I'm way off the subject, and I and I was wondering why. I mean, didn't they say he had like a 25 or 30 percent chance of winning? Right. So they said he wasn't going. There was it was totally impossible for him to win. That's, so that's, not, actually, that's not what that means. If you, let me give you an example. Can I can I explain let, what I meant? But well, hold on. Let me tell you what I was trying to say before you tell me what I was trying to say. If you don't I'm not mind. Tell you what, I want, so I, I, I was talking I about say, how me, our political and media gatekeepers, as I received it, I thought that it was totally impossible that Trump was going to win. Why did you think that? 
That's how it was presented to me yeah, by our authority. They presented as a 25 figures. or 30% chance My of friend, you're quit. Look, what I'm trying to talk about is there's a lot of people in this country who didn't think that Donald Trump... Here, how about this? I was at the Huffington Post when we covered him as entertainment. They, the, the, the Huffington Post said, this guy is a joke. He's not really running for president. Let's put him in the entertainment section. Right. I didn't feel like I, it was presented that he had he was going to win. I didn't say they said his chance so was zero. So that's the criticism you're making of the well, left. Well, so, but no, I'm not... No, you're really misunderstanding me. What I'm saying is, what I had accepted. I don't think I'm misunderstanding gate, you. Can you can you can I explain? You know, but you're filibustering. Can you just let me finish? I, I, I don't know. I Do you ever finish? Like, our... it's not a conversation when you just. I mean, we just you just talk over everybody. Wait, can I just question. say what I meant by the gatekeepers? Like, want to switch switch topics. I, you, you really didn't let me. So I said that I felt like it was endlessly authoritative that these these people were saying he wasn't going to win. You knew he was going to win. No, this is what I think. And when he did, in fact, win I can't after, even talk when you ask me a direct question. After it was presented as ridiculous, that is what gave me my awakening moment because I had just been stomaching what was fed to me, and that was the point I made, okay. was trying so to make is, about this, that. I don't because, because this is the way I see it. I, I knew I, he was going to win. This is a common thing I hear. You knew he was going to win, really? Okay. How? Listen, listen. I called Alana Newhouse. And I, I, yeah, yeah. Who is that? She's the editor-in-chief of Tablet Magazine, and I was like, this looks like it's really going badly. This, this is why I think ahead. a lot of people went wrong. If I told you, you're about to spin the dice, uh-huh. and I told you what would it be? I told you, I'm like an, you have an 18% chance of getting doubles. Okay. 82%. There's no way you're going to. 82% says you're not going to get yeah. doubles. And then you roll doubles. Was I telling you something inaccurate? No. No. You had, I mean. I mean, what, if I had, the, if when I had those statistics. Yeah. The, so in other words, the, 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 the odds that Trump was given in most places, especially by 538, were considerably better than the odds of rolling doubles. Uh huh. And I was never understood why. And, and you're when saying he, that, that was a thirty percent percentage yeah, that he was I, given. Well, okay. well, if you knew he was going to win, I wish you no, would tell more I didn't, people. I didn't. Nobody could know whether he was going to win. I or not. swear what to I'm God, saying, I knew he was going to win. Hold on. What I'm win. saying is that there's that we as consumers of news also have an obligation to say, okay, they told us that there was a certain percentage that he would win. That doesn't mean he's not going to win. Just like if you told, if I tell you you have less than a twenty percent chance of rolling doubles, everybody oh, rolls doubles. Yeah. But didn't like, he not like, win? Actually, didn't he? He didn't win the popular vote, right? Like, oh come on, he won. The, he's president. He won. Uh, Russia? Anyone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I, I have a I have a separate question. Um, I think it's a productive question. So, so from the beginning when you were talking, it seems like a lot of what you're saying is also on the basis that young people, you're saying, are less motivated to make a uh, like a to be politically vocal than the past, or are they at a low now? Is it, wh- more, what were you more saying? More motivated now. Oh, so, they are more mo- yes. motivated now. Okay. Yes. So, so. Be, from the from seeing the system through Trump, so the political awakening is about moving from passively navigating broken system to actively seeking to change it. It's kind of like you have this seeing the system for what it is and understanding that you have you have a role in the status quo. And so for a lot of people, they had it with Trump's win because this atrocious thing had happened. So we're, we're getting caught up in the whether he won or not. And I was a little confused confused about why because this is about this atrocious thing happening for me i part of my my awakening was i had accepted 
um, the authority of political writers, and I'm a political writer. So I said, well, hold on. These guys don't actually, they're always pretending to be, they have this endless expertise, and they don't really know what they're talking about. But it can also look like seeing clearly the realities of racial injustice. So there were a lot of the political awakening moment happened in mass numbers with Black Lives Matter before the election, and then again with Parkland, and again with Me Too. It's about seeing the entirety of the system and, and understanding your role within it and insisting on political agency and, and more young people are granting themselves that permission. And, and you're advocating for more, for just to keep up that general increase in and young people feeling like they have a more significant political voice. Yes, and, and a sustainable, constant one in which we're, we're taking these regular daily actions and understand the political conversation as something that we all... Like, I want to make it uncool to say, I just don't care about politics, or I just don't know about politics. And I feel like it's already uncool. Yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there. I, I wanted to understand that we, we all are taking regular actions as well to, to make our political opinions manifest. And yeah. not all of them. Like, we all don't have to be experts and know everything all the time but you know like what I think everybody should have what is your issue and what is your thing that you are using your time to change what, what is the way that you're everyone is actively participating in the question we ought to live together it's like I don't think enough young people feel that they have that sense of permission that right to a voice like I think that I'm even talking about young people below the age of 18 like uh -huh. you're a political subject the second that you have a fully front functioning frontal cortex I mean even before politics is affecting you I think that those young, young people who don't even have have the right to vote yet has, should have a role and be taking political action. And but what you know, do they know about anything at that age? Well, a young person who is in high school can tell you about the state of the school and what they're learning. They can That's tell true. you their father's addicted to opioids. They can tell no, you but, but, they're dealing with bankruptcy they at home. They can't really give you. Yes, I agree with that. I'm not saying you can't learn anything from them, but they but they don't have the 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 the, the depth of knowledge to to be able to judge policy decisions. I guess what makes, I don't know, I think there's a lot of adults we could say that for, too. Yes, so what's it all based no, on, there, you know? There, well, yeah, we, we do the best we can. You're right, there are a lot of adults. But let me ask you this question. I, I don't know how old you are. How old are you, Javon? I'm not going to ask I'm not going to dare to ask her. Uh, 34. Okay, so would you, do you? I'm 28. 28. Do you find that um, as you get older, you get wiser? Generally, yes, you, I would you, say would that. Would you say that, Lauren? Comedically, sometimes, but I, think, I, I, I'm, I shouldn't be funny. I think yes and no. I think I think that there's a magic of youth in its hopefulness and in its idealism, and that is valuable. And and I sort I agree of, with that too, actually. I I, I have an interesting. Um, I feel like at a generational scale, we're looking at this like tension between boomers and millennials with like the okay boomer thing this week right and like I feel like even just between me and my dad I see there's been this parenting right where like a younger generation is called the trophy generation we've been all built up to be told that we can we believe we can do anything allegedly right but then I feel like then we're smacked back down and I think that there's a belief in a better system that we don't even know exists yet like if we could really get millions of people invested in the political process if we could really have congressional races that were turning up more than 10% of turnout if it wasn't actually exciting that that the the numbers that we saw in the midterms for were historic for youth and they were still so low if we had people really voting all the time and constantly taking this action i think that a system is possible that that is beyond our wildest dreams and i think that's the wisdom of youth is the the idealism but and willingness to believe in that possibility is, isn't that related to the fact that i mean i, I think this is correct what i'm about to say that this current generation is an un is unprecedentedly not um, supporting themselves as like 
40, 50 years ago people did. They're not, they're not out, like, even when I was a kid, but even b but before, like, my father's generation, you were 18, you were out the door, you were supporting yourself, you were a man or you, you were a woman. <laughs> and when you are then facing the world, then you're concerned about policies, you're concerned about politics, mm -hmm. because you're concerned about taxation, you're concerned about these things because they affect you. When you're living, like, I have a 26-year-old living with me, you know, I don't think he should be able to vote. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, 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 you know, what, whatever it is that's bothering him, it might be legitimately bothering him, but he's so sheltered from all the real world. Yeah. It's such a skewed view of things that he has. Like when you, and, and there's no question that when he gets out there and he has to support himself and he has a couple of kids and he maybe has a business or a job to worry about, He's going to look back at this 26-year-old self and say, what the fuck was I thinking? I didn't know what I was talking about then. And I think but, that's the natural progression. But look at somebody like Greta, right? Like, isn't she Greta like... Greta Van Susteren? I don't want to mispronounce her last name. Thun Thunberg. Th Th Thunberg. Thunberg. Oh, oh, oh. Um, I don't know who this is. I mean... She's the, 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 the young, little young girl lady who, who was, addressed uh, the UN about yeah. climate change. I yeah. mean, okay. she's an amazing oh. example of... I mean, I don't know. I was super politically active when I was 15. I grew up in Queens. I saw really fucked up shit. Like, I was escorting women into abortion clinics on the weekends. Like, I feel like... Um, I was a big That's advocate. really rad. It was... I mean, it was amazing. Like, I used to break into, like, the drugstores and put, like, um, anim like PETA stickers on, you know, products that tested on animals. So, I do feel okay, like... But, but can, can, I, can I comment on her? Yeah, and, and, yeah. and, you know, I never... I was not one who bashed her. Yeah. Um, I think that, A, there are always outliers, and she might be a genius. You know, I don't know. Wait, but the but millennials, the idea that young people are all privileged and sheltered isn't fair either. A lot of us are working multiple jobs in a gig economy, struggling to pay off student loans. I mean, surely that's no, a valid no, that political... No, But I'm saying, statistically, experience. it's much... Many, many more millennials living at home are being supported than previous generations at this But, age. like, because yeah. of the shape of the economy that's making it harder for us to get good jobs, like, sure, I think we'd all like to be able to I support ourselves. I don't know if that's it. It's probably related to that. I think it's more than one reason. I yeah. think both yeah. of what you guys Does are saying are drink? factors. No. But but I, I do I do think... So, <laughs> what okay. kind of drink, well, Perry? We, we kind of found some, we've kind of found some common ground. So no, no, Perry, I'll sit down because I want you to hear this. We've kind of found some... Please. I, I need a drink. You guys are What do you want? Ask Maru. Maru, can you get her a drink, please? Um, so I had a... I want to ask the, the feminists, um, the cis, can you, you should yes. have ordered the drink I, into I, the I microphone. I want to ask the feminists and the moms here, uh, the mom here and the feminists, a question. So this, me. but aren't you uh, guys feminists? Uh, yes. Of course. Uh, well, I'm no, a mom I don't know. and a feminist. Answer this question. Tell me. So I, I have two kids, a, a little boy, and a little girl. I have three, but you have three I, kids. I, I, you actually I, have four I, when kids, this came so. up, I have, I, have <laughs> I have a little boy and a little girl. How high is this? I have four. Getting? I have a little boy and a little girl. And I noticed that when I take my little boy to, uh, like, a, a gymnastics or something, swimming, yeah. all the moms will go in the locker room, yeah. and they'll change the naked boys, yeah. you know, whatever, and nobody cares. Right. However, when my daughter was doing gymnastics, yeah. the yeah, dads out. were not to go Correct. in the locker room. Yeah, you're out. Interesting. And... Um, and I'm fine with that, and I feel like I understand it. Yeah. However, what is yeah. the age that range seems of these? To, what? What, are the, what is the age range of these? Five, kids? six, seven. Okay. But however, it seems to me to be an extremely um, run extremely counter to the lessons that we're being taught about 
gender inequality and all well, that may, stuff. May, maybe. I'm wondering what you think about maybe. that. Maybe. I mean, as the mother of a young boy, I can tell you that, I mean, you're right. That is true. Like, there's a very clean, It would trouble you to see a dad in there with your naked daughter, right? I mean, it would, I mean, it wouldn't happen. Like, there's no way he would get, like. So men and women are not the same in your mind. Yeah, well, well because men are predators. A lot of the time, women yeah, are don't have trust to be okay with that. <laughs> women have to be afraid of their. I mean, I mean, I have to be afraid about my body walking around New York all the time. Right. I mean, that's a little Just bit of a loaded question, though, because the it's a real life situation. No, no, you're 100 percent right. Like you won't. I have, loaded implies that I that I loaded it. No, it's real. you didn't. You no, wait, didn't. Is it related to trans bathroom stuff? Because I feel like no, that's no. such a nonsense. No. I just think that no, that's like that a has nonsense. nothing to do with trans no, bathroom. I'm not against trans. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. That's not trans bathrooms. Is not one of my issues. No, no, this Although has I will, to do I will with say that it, the, the, the wait, wait, wait. I want to answer. I want to address Atlantic this question. interesting on that. Go ahead. This has nothing to do with trans anything. No, not in my mind. Yeah, no, 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 no. no. This has to do with Just creepy dudes. Who's allowed in locker rooms? Well, no, I'll, I'll tell you what it has to do with. It has to do with my my feeling that at core, even the most feminist of us. I don't, would count myself among yes, them. Don't actually believe that men and women are the same. And, and from that, we kind of pick and choose when we're going to insist that they are and when we're going to insist that they're not. And, I, and wait, wait, we just we, we just want equal political, economic, and social opportunities, it's not, buddy. It's not, That's e- not, it's not equal if you can go into the locker room with your kids and a man if, can't. If, so, so, you, so you're equality denied based on that, Dan? No, what I'm saying is that... What I mean, so, so we would just like opportunities in the workplace. We would like to be able to make choice about our bodies. And this is what you're focusing on? I mean, it's kind of annoying, you know? I just want to. I just want to have. I just want everyone to have equal a footing in 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 power in structure of society. I mean, it just yeah. We need to think about safety of our daughters when a lot of men can be predators. So, but so, that's so, part of why we need feminists. So, so, so well, let's talk about the, let's talk about the trans issue actually in related to this, but not not uh, the trans bathrooms, which I think is a silly issue. Right, because uh, if you commit a crime in a bathroom, you commit a crime in a bathroom, and we don't even have to worry about gender. Well, actually, the reason I think it's silly is because trans women have always been using the the, the men's trans men have always been using the, the men's room. Always, nothing is. Going to change by making it. I mean, that's even where, when it was illegal. I mean, that's where the lawmakers are morons, though, right? Like, yeah. trans men have been using but, men's bathrooms for ages, and trans yeah. women use women's bathrooms, and those are the bathrooms but, that but, they should use. But in the, in the New York City schools in the Atlantic, it came out last uh, month in this article by Packer that when they made the unisex bathrooms, yeah. I read that. The kids wouldn't even go to the bathroom. They were holding it until they got home. Yeah. They, 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 they didn't well, want it. It was traumatic yeah. for them because suddenly they're being called out. The girls didn't want to Yeah, because yeah. suddenly they're being, well, they're being called out in a way that I think, and rightly so, like, why do you have to bring attention to it? But here, but here's the trans issue. This is one I've never been able, I've brought this up before, and I really, I, I always get stumped on this. We're told, Periel tells us, that gender is a social construct. Periel does yeah, She tell always us says that. that. Yeah. It's not just Periel. It's yeah. a lot of, and that's it's the reality. Periel, Me, meaning, well, meaning that, well, what I, what I think it means, you correct if I'm wrong, is that what we, we see, what we see as typically feminine behavior, masculine behavior, the things that we attribute to the way a man acts and the way a woman acts is, is a result of our, of our environment, the way we've raised them to be. Now, this is what, where it gets tricky for me. Yet... When we see a five-year-old girl behaving like a boy, quote unquote, like a we boy. say she was born trans. Why is the gender display of the five-year-old boy all of a sudden not a social construct? And if it, and if the five-year-old's yeah. gender is not a social construct, then when they grow up to be so twenty-five years old, 
then it wasn't a, it never was a social construct. We shouldn't be enforcing any any of it. We should we should be we should remove. Have I proven that gender is not a social construct? Well, well we, no. We need to remove the binary. We're like we to look. If you look at there's even like research in schools will have boys do this in art class, girls do this in art class. The way that we societally are treating boys and girls is radically different. So you know if it what it should be is is a, 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 a appreciate all children treat all children in the same way course, so that they're not warped to play with dolls or trucks or whatever the stock crap that is in the blue you, and but, pink but, but, that's, but to be clear, that's not what I was talking about. Okay. I, what I'm saying is that when we see a five-year-old or a six-year-old, we've always, we would see these in the news, displaying mm. the the uh, the cliche behaviors of the opposite sex that they were born, opposite of their, of their genetics, we assume that this is not something that was socialized in them. We think, we assume that this, or we... I mean, enlightened well, people say. Well, gender's an expression. This is the way they were born. They're born this way. Well, it's we're all expressing gender, right? So I every gender is something we all also wait, individually wait, I'm, I'm, put on. So what I'm saying is that if we say that a gender of a five year five year old or a six year old is something they're born with, then that to me means that when they get to be 25 years old, it was never a social construct. Well, gender's not. It's, so gender is something that you're expressing. It's constant. It's dynamic. It's always changing, and that's true even for people who are cis. So, but the thing is that if a child is born, they should be able to dynamically, constantly, openly express whatever gender is yeah, is. Yeah, I think you're trying to paint me as connected goes, to their uh, uh, higher self. So, like, I'm performing gender, right? I did my hair before I got here. I put on mascara. I put on lipstick. You're, I'm performing. You're a victim of the patriarchy. I did all that too. No, though. but I'm performing. <laughs> totally. That's I'm a victim performing of the gender in that, right? So are you guys. I'm not, no, I'm not calling myself. Mm. No, I'm not calling myself a victim. I'm telling joke, you, we're all per, we're all performing yeah. gender in some way, and it is in conversation. You think I really is macho? <laughs> I, well, we, I mean, I, I do think hey. that. I mean, I mean, you're performing a lot of things too, Dan. You I don't think it's all in conversation. No, um, that's okay. I like being called Dan. <laughs> what is it? He's no, Noam. I'm, no, I'm N-O-A-M. No. Oh, it's Noam. No. Oh, it's not Dan Dorbin? <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I really did think your name was Dan. That's okay. Sure. I've I already given you a nickname, Double Dan's D. Dan's other but... I mean, Oh, I, Dan is the other Dan one. Is Two D. I mean, I do think that we're victims of the patriarchy. I would never look like this if that weren't a thing. Why is that a victim? You know, I, why, why can't because, it be that? Because if women don't wear makeup, people ask us if we're sick. Like, it's the standard. It's the expectation. It's okay, like, fair enough, fair enough. But I mean, I, but I didn't mean I that. I actually woke up I'm, like this. I meant that the, I, do. The, the, I think that the, the, uh, the, there's a whole list of feminine qualities which are probably born, are, are encoded in the feminine DNA. And that's why when it gets when it's when it's when somebody's trans. Wait, putting on mascara is not embedded in my DNA. No, it's in my DNA. No, Can I just you'll, say you'll something? What, what, uh, well, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, so there is um, a child who goes to school with my son, and that child expresses their gender as um, tr- female. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know. Yeah. Um, now that might. And but physically, they're male. Yeah, born or okay. assigned. Or assi- yeah, assi- X, XY. Oh, here, this is hey. Dan. This no is way. There he is. Come on. This Amazing. Is Dan. Just in here, time. Here, take. You can have mine. Here. No, no, sit here. No, he's good. He can sit there. Okay. I can't believe you made it. Um, well, it's, so, well, so thank you late. So go ahead, tell your story. So no, so very quickly because I want to bring Dan in. But that might change. Like, yes, he he's he's a he was born a boy. I think that the parents are trying to navigate it, and they're letting 
the child express their gender, how the child is comfortable. But like that's something that could be a phase or the child could be trans. But I think that... The, what I, I, I was really only trying to make one point. I agree with you. My, my, my one point was that the same people who say that gender is a social construct will at the same time when they see it in a very young child, will say that it, it's in the in the hardware, that it's not a social construct, and that to me is a is a blatant, uh, irreconcilable contradiction of that theory. You're mixing up the the social construct of gender and the individual expression of it, and I think I have some readings. I will promise you, okay. I will email you. Okay. But but it really it, it's possible for gender to be a social construct and something that needs to be naturally expressed and can be perceived to be something different than what was assigned at birth or and, and fluid and, and wait, wait, it can be oh, ever changing and dynamic. Just how acrimonious was the discussion between Lauren and Noam? It was uh, pretty acrimonious, Dan. I Are you Dan? That's me. Yeah. How did Hi. you know that? Well, I predicted it because knowing <laughs> Lauren, not personally, but just via Twitter and via television, as I do, and knowing, knowing, I as told I, her as something I about putting on her uh, thigh-high boots or something. What, 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 what did Tucker Carlson <laughs> say? That's right. Stick to the thigh-high boots. Yeah. So I'm, I'm used. To, I'm used to men not being very nice to me. So I've got. I've, I get defensive pretty quickly. Well, I'm sure no one was nice. No, no, no one would be. I think it would be not nice for Noam not to to say how he feels. <laughs> I wasn't here for the discussion. But not nice would be Noam pulling punches. Sure. So wait, you read the book? Can you ask me a question about my actual book? Because I'd love oh, I to answer one. I haven't read the book. Oh, wow. What the fuck is this podcast? Periel has, Periel has, I've researched you a lot. I've written two books, and I have done a shit-fucking ton of interviews, and I don't think anybody Larry that has King interviewed me has ever read either one of my books. Yeah. This is the first time somebody hasn't read the book. They're probably pretending. Or they read Periel, you've read the book? I, I read large parts of okay. the book, yeah. Uh, have we book. not discussed the book yet? Well, yeah, we are. But I mean, yeah. I think no, it's also... have we not done it yet? Because I'm assuming but we're I, almost I mean, over. I think it's also fair to assume that people listening have not read, not not just your book, but like we have people all on all the time who've written like 10 books. Noam just finished Crime and Punishment. Well, right, but this was an interview about the book. Come no, on. No, it wasn't. It was an interview <laughs> of, with you. Oh, all right. But that's fine to me about the book. I, I, no, and like I, you're, that's what I thought. Maybe that's why I was confused. I thought public, I was coming here to talk about it. I have to say, quite honestly, I, I, if this happens again, I, I think that this is with all respect and friendliness. That it, if somebody reads, you know, the blurbs or whatever it is about the book and knows what your book is about, it's totally fine for them to ask you the questions and you inform them in real time what it says in the book and in the public. Like, I don't, I don't think my questions would be that much different if I had actually read the book than, I I, than by reading about the book. Though. I also have a bone to pick with your publicist, frankly. Why? Yeah, what? Well, because you came here under the guise of one thing or that they thought and nobody was like, yeah. oh, I have to send you this book and, you know, whatever. No, Dan was taken with you. At, I guess, was it the Tucker Carlson interview? I saw the Tucker Carlson interview. And uh, I, I don't know when I suggested to Periel to book her, but I know she's a it might have been before somewhat the book. Uh, rising star in feminist circles. A star, not a rising star, a star. Well, and but one I can was always very rise. Excited. One can always rise higher, uh, no matter where one is. <laughs> where Where have you been? That's I was. Where was I been? I was at doing a show for people that the uh, office managers of of uh, healthcare related <laughs> uh, office managers in Jersey. How was it? It, w it was not easy, but right. I pulled it off. I would have I'm never sure guessed. I'm sure you were very it's funny. Never, it's never friggin' easy to before... Fucking, we could say it. It's the internet. Um, <laughs> it's never easy, these private shows. Yeah, I hear that a lot. Um, yeah. 
you know, and then they're and they're all they're 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 medical people. So the moment I did my bit about going blind and uh. learning braille. They tightened up because as medical people, <laughs> I guess it's not funny to them. I don't know. Well, I thought you were going to say the opposite. Um, you, no, you, we're almost done. You, you had talked about uh, that you you believe that journalism. Okay, two things. Yeah. So you had this, and I don't I'm, I don't want to force you to talk Thank about you. it. Right. And and to act, to be honest, I'm very skeptical of like uh, disgruntled complainers, whatever is in, in this whole thing that you had with this NYU thing. Yeah. So I I I and anybody can Google it. But what did fascinate me about it is that you answered that you didn't think you were getting paid enough for that job. Oh yeah. And I'm tempted to ask you what you were getting paid. Five thousand dollars for two three hour sessions all summer. So designing the course, two three hour sessions a week and and at that and the, the average kid pays I think like seven thousand dollars for the class. So it's like I don't know, the idea that it's like I was charging that and somehow. Um also I did it I like showed up, I taught for the first time. Um I think a lot of kids are um addicted to like a rubric and grades and it's very possible I'm not a good college professor and, and what frustrated me about that piece is like one or two students didn't like my teaching style and like look more than one or two people don't like me I'm very brash I'm very polarizing it's like that's not when do you when do you get a, a, a piece written about poor course evaluations like some of the best professors of all time have some shitty course evaluations yeah yeah that's, in their what, that's why I wasn't I didn't yeah. want to call you to no I mean I was just frustrated I guess I would just say since you did call it out if, if anybody reads it I, I would I would hope that you'd also uh, give me a shot and read my book you know because it feels like the the that 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 journalist uh, was yes. <laughs> acting pretty maliciously in that piece it's pretty mean girl toxic nonsense and and it feels really awful to have something I didn't like I kind of um, that I tried for the first time be used to discount the thing I spent three years working on and and I've just been treated like crap over and over again and and I feel like I'm just trying to build public power I'm out here trying to do a good thing I'm also constantly you getting are doing a good thing I'm also like it's just it's hard because I'm getting death and rape threats pretty regularly. Like, my safety is constantly at stake. My mental health is, like, something I have to tend to fucking constantly. And then to have my colleagues attacking me for my flaws, too. I mean, I'm just... I, I, I just kind of wish if people didn't like me or didn't like my work that they would just kind of fuck off. Like, and go tell someone who they do like that they're doing it right. And I'm just really... I feel like I eat a lot of garbage, and, and I'm, I'm really trying, and, and I'm getting tired. And it's frustrating. I can see that you're frustrated. You, so, so, can I tell you why, why I came up? Because and this is just... So, this is... A, it, it's It struck a chord with me, because as a boss, I've had this many times when somebody got frustrated with like my criticism of the work or, or whatever it is my, when I was dissatisfied they would the answer would be I don't fucking get paid enough to do this job anyway and, by, and, I, and, it's, and I always say well wait but you know I put an ad and this was the job and this is what it paid I didn't force anybody to come I used to do this with musicians all the time like yeah. you know you, were, you wanted the gig at this price and it's not fair. And well, I think I thought I was gonna have more support from NYU. Is the thing too? Yeah. It's like, and I actually, I think it was benefit for me to teach the course because, like, I had to articulate all of my ethics in my journalism and and all of the reason why I love my art. And like, they, I got to a whole new level rhetorically in terms of my own journalistic code of ethics. And and it, and it did actually it was awesome to be able to connect with young minds, even if a couple of them thought I was a brat. So journalistic code of ethics. So you think journalists journalism should be activism? Y yeah. Well, so that's, that's including Fox News. 
Well, no. Fox News is not journalism. <laughs> it's activism. <laughs> no. It's garbage. Right. So, so that's actually great. So I think that ah. journalism should necessarily be activist, but activism in and of itself is a separate thing from journalism. So when I'm using my journalism as activism, I'm telling stories of, that are true. I'm using an objectivity of method, of verification, and I'm doing it so as to empower people with information. So my goal is to break things down in terms people can understand. And, and I also am a journalist, so there's a lot of different types of journalists. And there's, there's hard-hitting reporters, there's access, there's access journalists, there's investigative reporters. I feel like my biggest skill is as a sense maker. So like I kind of took off when I wrote that gaslighting piece, not because I invented gaslighting, but because I broke it into terms that people could understand where they said, oh, I can really mess with this. I know what this means. He is making me feel crazy. Then they can talk about it with their friends, and that allows us to to build the foundation from which to resist. Lauren so, wrote a comment in Teen Vogue about uh, gaslighting. Trump is gaslighting America. Yeah. Okay. So, so my goal is to is to empower people with information and to make them feel the confidence to have the political agency that I think we all deserve, have a right and a duty to in the political conversation. Uh, I have nothing to say except that you know I didn't need all that because I was so anxious about the gig. <laughs> <laughs> That I uh, really could use some uh, some food. Are you gonna get chicken? <laughs> My whole friggin' day. That's an interesting point. Yeah. That's a <laughs> I can't believe I you never thought of it like that. That was my privilege if I ever heard any of it. My whole day is ruined when I have a gig. When I have a gig. When I have a corporate gig. Really? Listen, yeah, because Wait, I can. Why? You still get because nervous? Of course, I still get. I'm in fact more nervous than I've ever gotten before. Because now. But you're so good, and when, you have yes, ten years experience. Ten years ago, I wasn't that nervous. Because I felt like, where's it? I'm gonna be a star anyway in a couple of years. This is all gonna be behind me anyway. <laughs> now, now, now I know that this is it. This is it. This is how I make my living. And if I fuck it up. The consequences are such. You do speaking engagements, right? Maybe Dan can open for you somewhere. Uh, uh, he I don't know, but <laughs> it was all—it was ninety percent women at this gig. Oh. Uh, You're so oh. lovable. And and uh, and I was a little bit hesitant because you just never know. You just never know how they're going to perceive me uh, uh, as a, as a cisgendered uh, white sort of white man. <laughs> sort of creepy uh, white man. <laughs> you know. Wait. So who, who's not? I find mad? you very threatening, Dan. I'm not, you know, but you'd be surprised <laughs> how, what, 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 what some might find to be offensive. But I actually did well. We all I'm have sure yeah. left with her. I she's a, she's a say, national I voice. Say, I want to say one thing. I just want to say that I think what you're doing is amazing. You're and I think now, that, me. yeah, well, I think you're amazing too. <laughs> but I think that when you're a young woman, and I'm a good deal older than you, but I started out when I was your age, and you put yourself out there, and you have strong opinions unfortunately a lot of the shit that you've described it's like it comes with a fucking territory and it sucks but it's part of it and you can't take it personally which is hard I think sure, right. yeah, it's, hard, it's hard to not take a you know like a death or a rape there personally but like I, I do no, hear but, you I but hear those you on the people whole. are fucking crazy like it's I right, mean, right, people but, are crazy and you have social media and yeah. you're so out there and I'm not excusing that behavior I guess it's really I think like it's unprecedented in human history the kind of torture that people are being subjected well, that's to true. from online harassment and because that didn't exist before yeah, though like you can dark. talk I've been online harassed too so we're, well, you probably think I deserved oh, really? it but no no what <laughs> What happened? Well, I got—I I don't, I don't want to tell you, but I, I, got, I got online arrest because Louis C.K. performed here. Uh, but I had—I had actual death threats. For, uh, well, 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 did, well but he what was, did he do here? Did he, was he saying mean things about the Parkland kids when he came no, here? No, he didn't do that. No, that that wasn't much, much. That oh, okay. Well, the truth is, the death threats were not confined to you. They, in fact. Uh, we're we're talking about my children. The, the threat, well, one threat it's was firebombing the comedy really cellar, which is more of a threat to us because we're here more often than you are. 
But uh, <laughs> anyway, you know, I I I would say I mean, no one stops by, but we because I had a, I had a real fight with an NYU professor who came on uh, a couple weeks ago. Columbia, and, uh, Columbia, and uh, you're, you're NYU, and. Um, I do think that quite often people assume that the person, on both sides of the, the, the fence, people assume that the person that they disagree with is incapable of listening to them or engaging them with an open mind and constructively. And, and, that, and that certainly that is sometimes the case, but it's not always the case. I and mean, that's why we have independent voters and they swing the elections. There are the whole, there's millions of people out there like me who, I mean, I, I believe in what I believe. But I'm very curious to hear the other side arguments, and sometimes I'm like, oh, you know, I hadn't thought of that. That's that's an interesting point, and and I would say that where the Columbia professor, uh, I thought failed, and and it started out that way with you, but I think we ended nicely. I think is, we ended nicely too. Is that um, that if I, if you want to convince me, you got to indulge me a little bit. Like you know, you got you got to let me even even if I do rub you the wrong way a little bit. If the goal is to it's like, like well, I, I want right? to reach him, you know, so let it go a little bit, you know, and, and if after a half an hour, you know, he's a fucking asshole, then yeah, you know, then then you can. But I think to, to withhold judgment on other people, especially because there's so many minefields now that people on the left really more than the right have set up in terms of you can't say this word, you can't say that word. If, if you're yeah, old. And, I agree with that. And if you habitually, like, you like your dad, probably, like if you habitually say these pronouns that you've been saying for 60 or 70 years, well, now you're insensitive, you know? No, I think we have to let people have time to evolve. And I think that, you know, we've all been hardwired with the script of the white supremacist capitalist patriarchy. We're all going to do things that are specifically not woke because that's the, the motions that we're all I going I love that through. wiring. Yeah, well, I know. You got Give it up now, though. No, would, you gotta give it up. With it but so I think that every time you try to teach something new, someone something new, they have to unlearn an old thing, and and I think that it's it's hard. It's hard to have patience because I want to get I want to get to the better world very quickly. But I hear you, and you I know think, what it reminds me of. I had this thought during the. Um, you may not get there. Wait, well, Paraphrase King. You may not get there with them. Uh, during during yeah, the, the better world, I'm saying. During, oh. You may not get there with Dan. During the Confederate statue stuff that went on, it was going on a few years ago, I met and the Confederate fly stuff. I remember thinking that and it's exactly what we're talking about. That I was never, I'm not a big, I was never defending the Confederate anything. That I knew so many people had grown up in the South and had always seen these these flags and these statues, and it was part of them. And I and I knew quite liberal Southerners who would say to me, "No." including somebody black. Like, you know, the Confederate flag, yes, but it was also always part of our culture. And what happens is people would come in there and tell them, if you have that flag, you're a racist. If you, if you, if you want to still have that, that means you're a racist. And the natural urge at that point is to say, fuck you, hold on, fuck yeah. you, I'm, I'm not a racist. Go fuck yourself. As opposed to saying, as opposed to saying, listen, you, that, you have to understand how that flag makes me feel. Yeah. And then people say, oh, you know, okay, I, didn't, I, I hadn't really thought of that. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it down. I don't want to be a prick, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to making them. Yeah. What they did is that they, they made it so that the act of taking it down was actually a concession. Yes, I'm a bad person. Yes, I'm a racist. And that was going to backfire. And it, it continues to backfire. And it's kind of related to this. Like, you, don't, you know, attacking somebody, even if you think it, is, is a surefire way that they're mm-hmm. going to dig in. Yeah, I think you're right. And I, but I think, I guess I would say, I would offer to you that, that the antidote, maybe for both of us, is to just move in real time with the people we're actually interacting with. So I think that we all kind of get caught up in, in like big cultural analogies 
and uh, ideas about what conservatives want and liberals want or what feminists want. And, and we have all these stigmas and, and we, we need to just be getting more to the level of one-on-one what's going on right now. And, and I guess the, and sh- the way I would showcase that is in the context of Me Too, there was this whole conversation of like, well, can can we actually have men and women at a holiday party now? Can a man hug a woman? Blah, blah, blah. Like, what are the rules now? And it's like, I don't know, buddy. Just you got to uh, expend some energy decide figuring out whether or not you're making people comfortable and Previously, that calculus is borne by women. It's like, yes, there are new rules now in the light of Me Too. There are new rules now in the way the status quo is changing, led by the insurgency that I'm documenting and how to start a revolution. And I think we're on the precipice of heading towards totally fucking dismantling. This is interesting. Can we, can we end with this? Because this is a very interesting topic. So I'm actually someone who basically has always agreed with the fact that it's not that hard to not be a creep. Yeah, you just know? don't take your but, dick out or do anything well, no, with it, it, no, it's, it, right? It's, it's, to be fair, no, people people would be a creep without taking the... Di- people are accused mm. of harassment with far less than that. And and with justification. However, I also at the same time believe that some people are just born uh, oblivious and with low, e- low emotional intelligence. And I know guys like this and they think she's going to dig me. And I'm like, dude, you're, you're, you're a fucking idiot. But <laughs> this, is, this is all on one side. And the other side is I think 75 or 80 percent of people meet their husbands and wives at work. Mm-hmm. And that is something we have. I don't know how we're going to reconcile that because you're not going to get men and women who work together to stop uh, taking the risk of, uh, you know, seeing if the other person is interested. And um, we're, I don't know how to finesse that, you know. You just constantly it, consent. It, it, it's, tr- it's, tr- it's tricky. Consent is sexy trickier. at work too. I don't know. Like it depends. It, it's trickier than people are giving it credit for. Although I think that a lot of times it's just an excuse. A lot of times, dude, you knew you were being an ass. You knew you were being creep. But there are situations where no, I, I really thought she liked me. She went out. She went out to coffee with me, and then and then I thought we were with night and I tried to kiss her, and all of a sudden I realized I'm I'm a I'm a problem. You know, a, and uh, women can make unwanted advances too, for sure. Like yeah. it's just I think we just all need to be a little more like verbal and interested in making people not uncomfortable. I think different people have different levels of emotional and social intelligence. This isn't any sort of solution. It's got to be difficult if you're on the spectrum of Asperger's to autism to navigate (laughs) any of that because you can barely navigate a hello and goodbye. Um, This is not necessarily productive, what I'm saying, but I I just think there's so many people, and this is whether women or men who are just, their ability to read social cues, even if they're not on the spectrum, is just so minimal or their ability to alter themselves from a previous experience there's no growth in it and it's just like all right i guess that's not necessarily part of your general personality makeup can, can we also admit that if a girl tries to kiss a dude it's not as horrifying as if, uh, unwanted if a man tries to kiss a woman no uh, we can't well that's the locker that's my locker room thing I, it's never I, happened in, no. in real life it is i can't no. in real life you're not going to upset me by trying to kiss well, me I can as tell i'm going to upset that you i tried to kiss somebody once and he was furious Really? Cause he, yeah, because he knew I had a boyfriend. Oh well, that's oh, that's a different. That well, that's different. <laughs> that's You're clearly whore. different. Why he cares? What does he care if I have a boyfriend or not? Because he, he perceived- was really offended. He really was. He yeah, was- because he thought you were honorable. No, I'm not. I, clearly. <laughs> All right, I, I would like. I don't know if you'll ever come back, but I, I am fascinated by these gender issues, and not because, I mean, I have a I have a daughter, and it's such a cliche for her, but it's, people say this, they mean it. I have a daughter. She has, she better have the ability and the right to do every fucking thing she wants to do in life, 
and she'll tell you I'm, I'm that type of parent. And I, you know, I, I. But having said that, the difference in the way she behaved to the compared to the boys. With no steering on my part. Not on your part, but everything she sees around her. From the time she was born. From the time that they no, no, are no, no, in... No. This, this, is where, this is where science, I think, would have to say that, that, that you're wrong. There are, I don't think so. There are differences between men and women. You don't even women. notice how genderized shit is. You go into a preschool classroom... There it is. We I mean, I see it with the, so hard to get my my daughter to play you. with the superhero stuff along with my son. She just not interested. I, I can't, believe can't you. Get, now that you know, whatever, whatever. I mean, all right, that's another what, topic. What, 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 what is interesting is that when I say that, I say that with a pure heart, meaning I don't have any stake in it. I'm, if 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 I saw evidence that it was the opposite way, it's like I don't. I'm not like important to me that it be environment or or. I'm just telling you that's. My observation, and also borne out by what I've read, that seems to me to be the truth of the matter. And and we live in a time now when if you're just saying good faith, well, I think this is actually what it is, that will be called some sort of bigotry. And and it couldn't be further from the truth. What do I care what the truth is? I'm I'm I love my daughter, no matter what she is and and why she is, you know. So anyway, it's just uh, anything else. Follow us on at live from the table on Instagram. Lauren, can you? Do you want to come to the comedy store sometime? Lucy Lu won't be here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm, my book is How to Start a Revolution. Uh, I guess if, if you have a young person in your life, I think I've made uh, the issue of, of political agency actually pretty entertaining and in terms that it's not usually depicted in. And, and I'm trying to reach basically uh, high school students, college students. And that's, me. That's, <laughs> is and there no, a Kindle edition? Um, there is an Audible edition. Oh, yeah, okay. you can probably, you can probably get on Kindle. I yeah. will read your book. Okay, and then have me back. Yes. Let's do it. And I'm I, so and serious. I will demonstrate that I've read it. I'm a very thorough I want, reader. I want to do this. Okay. I want to have okay. post-it notes. Okay, okay, shake on it. Shake on it. Shake on it. Oh, I will read yeah. the book. Um, I'm at Lauren Duca on Twitter and okay. at Duca Lauren how on you, Instagram. That's right. Yeah. How do you spell Duca? D-U-C-A. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Good night, everybody. I'm Ed Gibran Salim. Oh, sorry. Come on, no. <laughs> How do you spell it? It takes so long. G is a giant, I, B is in Bob, R, A, N is in Nancy, S is in Sarah, A, L, E, E, M is in Mary. Woo! Thank uh, you all. And send an email, right? Well, I, I can plug my yes, Twitter. Yes, you, you can plug anything that, um, you want. Yeah, at Dan. Podcast at ComedyTeller.com. Send us an email. Thank you, Thank guys. Thank you very much. Good night, Thank everybody. You. Good night.